Well, it just seems to go hand in hand over the last, uh, well, more than 12 months now. Uh, the mere mention of the word lockdown and all of a sudden our shelves go empty of one particular item. Why toilet paper, though? That's the one that's got us scratching our heads. And maybe Associate Professor of Psychology from the USQ, Gavin Beccario, may have an answer. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. Well, I guess I, I just have to start right there. Why uh, do people panic over that particular item? I can certainly understand a bit of concern if they think that a lockdown might go on for a week or two weeks and they're not allowed to leave their homes. And uh, even though going shopping is one of those essential things, but they might pick up some extra tins of tuna and some you know, uh, dried pasta. But why toilet paper? Yeah, look, I, I think there's two things going on. I think one is... When there is a lockdown, people um, need a sense of control because some control is taken away from them. So that's the first thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. The second thing is about a rarity of a commodity. And um, what we're seeing is that that it, it's quite um, well um, known in the media and in the community that toilet paper seems to be the, the target and it becomes rare. So when everyone goes shopping, they're thinking, oh, there might not be toilet paper this week so, uh, so or next week, so I'm going to get some more this week. <laughs> and uh, that affects the supply chains. So it's a bit of a snowball effect. Uh, is that the first couple of people sort of grab a little extra uh, because the lockdown's coming, the shelves look a little emptier, the next lot of people coming through go, oh, it's, it's, it's running out, and then it snowballs. Absolutely, yeah. So the next lot of people say, oh, I better grab a second lot just in case there's none there next week. Okay. So it's not that everybody thinks that for some reason the one thing that we couldn't possibly do without, uh, you know, despite food and all these other things, would be toilet paper. Uh, It's just that it seems to get the most uh, press. And I guess it does, because if I go into the tuna roll and all the tuna tins are empty, I just sort of go, yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me. Then I go in the toilet paper aisle and I get upset. Then I come on, I talk about it the next morning. And then a lot of people hear me and probably race off and do the same thing. Precisely. And the thing is, you can replace tuna with a bit of um, sardines or salmon. Yes. Um, it, it makes it a little bit harder to replace toilet paper. Now, you know, I know people had creative ideas in their thunderboxes many, many years ago. I was going to say, paper well, our nation was built on the old, uh, you know, recycle the newspaper on the back of the door. And there's at least one local publication to be perfect for that. <laughs> yes, that's, but yeah, um, I, I don't think people are, I think people are a little bit more um, discerning or, or wiser these or discerning these oh, days. we are. <laughs> if, I, if my wife doesn't buy the four-ply, I'm, I'm asking serious questions. I'm like, what's this three-ply business? Where Absolutely. are we in a third world country now? Uh, I want four ply, and so it Absolutely. and so it goes on. And I guess too, is it also the case when you go to the tuna aisle, uh, the tiny tin of tuna they can put ten million cans up there, the big yeah. eight or ten packs of toilet, but there's only so many packs that can go on the shelf, so the shelf can look empty a lot quicker. Would that also, I'm assuming, that'd be it? I guess. To... Well, it's it's that feedback, is it? You walk yeah. past, oh, there's there's only there's only um, a little bit of toilet paper left. Yes, I better I better grab some, and, and you know what. I'll grab that second lot because, you know, we just don't know what it's going to be like next week. Okay. So uh, should I back off these people then? Because I have been a bit scathing of those that, you know, are, are hoarding uh, rolls and rolls of toilet paper. Uh, but uh, but should I back off a little bit? Well, I think I think buying a, a trolley load um, yes. may be a little bit excessive. Um, but I think... We we've we need to follow the advice of um, you know, well well um, 
uh, intelligent people who say, look, there is going to be enough there for everyone. We don't have to panic by it. Our supply chains, you know, aren't in dire, uh, in dire straits. And, and, you know, just buy what you need. There, there should be some more there um, oh. within due course. Just uh, finally, and I'll just throw this one to you. We, we didn't pre-prepare this this question, but I'll just throw this to you. As, <laughs> as a psychologist, uh, are you concerned about uh, people's mental health uh, with these constant lockdowns? It's the other big side of it when the, when the opposition to those who uh, call the lockdowns, the first thing they scream about is mental health. From a psychologist's yeah. point of view, is it a, a, a concern that we should be giving more credit to? I think we're giving appropriate credit to it um, because it is a, it is a concern, um, but and and particularly for the for the the elderly and those that live alone and and some of our younger people, yes. it seems to have impact on them. And of course, also our hospitality workers um, yes. who are often affected by this. All right, we need to look out for each other out there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's time to get back to that, you know, lean over the, the fence and just say to your neighbour, how are you going, uh, I think, and maybe this whole thing has, has brought about a number of changes in the way we think about uh, our society, and I hope that that is one of them. Associate Professor of Psychology, Gavin Beccario from the USQ, thank you so much for your Wonderful time this me. morning. It's been fascinating. Thank you. We take you into the dark recesses of the mind of producer Merrill. It is the M-Files. So Lee, there's been a lot written over the years about the difference between men and women. I'm from Venus, you're from Mars, right? that's it. I'm in touch with my emotions, you're able to lift heavy things. Yeah. I'm artistic, you can parallel park. (laughs) I'm kind to dumb animals, you like sports where people make each other bleed. I am a dumb animal, yes. (laughs) I lust after Mr Darcy, you froth over Chuck Norris. But I reckon I have figured out what really separates the sexes, and it's a whole lot simpler than you might think. Yep. Pea shame. Right. Yep, pea shame. Blokes have none of it. Women are riddled by it. Any man can walk into any toilet block, stand next to any bloke they know or don't know, whip down the zip, and the pee will happen. You need to go, then go you will. Women, on the other hand, are paralysed should they happen to enter a toilet where another woman is in there. Doesn't matter if you can't see her or whether you know her, when two women are in separate toilet cubicles, there will be an unspoken Mexican standoff to see who can hold off peeing for the longest. (laughs) Sometimes, if no one wants to break first, it becomes necessary to engage in some paralysis-ending noisy activity, like a fit of coughing, for instance, or a good old nose blow. I've perfected whistling for this exact purpose. It makes enough noise to allow everyone to get on with their business, but it can't be used as a personal identifier later on. Of course, the pee shame does not end there for women. Even if you've all done what you came into the toilet for, no one wants to be the first to actually leave the cubicle to wash their hands. (laughs) The competition then shifts to taking the longest possible time to pull up your tights, make sure your skirt isn't tucked into your knickers, and get rid of the loo paper trailing from your shoe. I mean, it's bad enough that you've heard each other tinkle, but no one wants to now have to make pleasantries in front of the mirror. 
I think you can see now, Lee, why urinals for women have never really taken off. Yeah, and why the lines are so long. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm sure there's exceptions to my gender stereotype here. I reckon there's blokes out there who are, shall we say, piss shy. Yeah. Will only take some bladder relief if they can have the whole damn facility to themselves. Stage fright, yep. And I know for a fact that after a few margaritas or at a festival, women lose all abandon in front of each other in the toilet block. We'll even hold back the hair of our besties over a smelly public loo bowl while she regurgitates the greasy 2am street side kebab. But by and large, however, it is pee that means a woman can never be more like a man. Shakespeare actually nailed it all those years ago, although sadly it got a bit lost in translation over time. To pee or not to pee? That is the question. And William, the answer is simple. It all depends on who else is around at the time. It's 28 past seven. It would leave for breakfast at Triple M. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And a Catholic priest claims he performs up to 20 exorcisms every week to free people in their homes from what he calls demons and satanic evil. Stephen Rossetti of New York claims he's seen countless demons at work over his 13 years in the exorcism business, and apparently it's getting worse. From TVs turning on and off to people spewing foreign objects like nuts and bolts, the professor and priest has revealed all in his new book, Diary of an American Exorcist. And the bad news is, he says, it's getting worse. Stephen said a woman contacted him after an upside-down cross appeared burned into her shoulder. This supposedly happened while her father was receiving evil text messages from demons. Yes, demons are now texting in tongues. Unbelievably, I can still barely make a call from the main street of Westbrook, but demons from beyond the mortal coil have found a way to send a text message designed to scare the brown crayon out of me. Maybe we should be enlisting these demonic forces to run our telcos. I mean, why not? Not Feratu already runs the world's largest media company. Uh, just to clarify too, the messages were being sent from the daughter's phone, but Joseph claims there was no evidence of her sending them herself. Right. The priest also claims he's seen things that are not humanly possible, although admits he's never witnessed levitation or spinning heads. But this one time, the demons made a woman wag her finger at him while shaking her head no. Seriously? That's not a demonic possession, that's marriage. Anyway, the priest has admitted that many of the people who contact him thinking they're possessed are suffering with a mental illness, which is no laughing matter. But when you're a charlatan acting under the guise of the Almighty, they are an easy dollar. Stephen says we should all be doing more to protect ourselves from demonic attack, like putting crucifixes up in your room as well as religious statues, having holy water handy and turning off Sky News. You cannot be serious! (laughs) 